0: You're listening to Ear Full of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States. Here's your hosts.
1: And we're live. Welcome to Ear Full of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Hey guys, where's Corey? Um,
2: well, uh, he texted me and was like, um, "Yeah, uh, got to go to the hospital." Uh, Corey's wife got sick, so they went to the hospital, and he said, "I need uh, I need Josh to be me. I know that he doesn't have a beard
3: like me, but I need him to be me." Um, Corey is walking behind the rose. That, that's like that's a really a pure '90s reference. I think because it's Iowa, you know, we, he's probably
2: got like his hands on the cart, and he's walk, he's dragging, he's dra- like dragging the cart.
3: Do Do you think in Iowa, like the doctor just comes with that little black bag to your house, like you know, like like uh, like the, the dude from Field of Dreams after he steps off the field, and this is like, what probably do we got in rural here?
1: Iowa. Probably in rural Iowa, they do. probably still happens. Um, you know, uh, a little farm town. Witch uh, doctors. <laughs> well, welcome to rural medical issues podcast.
3: Yep. Uh, oh, so by the way, um, that's two drinks. Not only was it a, an abundance of Iowa jokes, it was a tangent not related to rugby. So,
1: <laughs> well, we can add another one as Liam's cat decided to cause more issues this week.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, um yeah. Drink drink every time my cat makes an audible appearance on the show. Yeah. So all right. I can literally hear her right now and you guys like and you guys can't quite yet. And I just know it's in the back of my mind like, oh, it's fucking coming.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, for those of you new, I'm Josh Fredlin. I'm coming you to you from Denver, Colorado. Aaron Castro's in Arizona. Leah Poe is in Houston, Texas, and I will also be in the comments section, so if you guys want to drop us a line, we're always here, or at least I'm always here. Uh, guys, how's the last couple of weeks been for you, um, besides it's snowing here in Colorado? Well, um, let's talk about last night's episode of Game of Thrones, though.
3: Like uh, so Spoiler warning, spoiler warning, spoiler warning. Spoiler,
2: well, A, it's, it's late Monday night, so if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, um, go flagellate yourself.
3: Yeah, for real. Or if you haven't already seen spoilers, like, do you live in a cave? <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: that too. Like, uh, I mean, it's we sort of explained it a couple of episodes ago. Like, the people who tell you that they don't watch Game of Thrones, either they're lying or they're just, well,
1: yeah. I have a, I have uh, a really up, upturned nose about them.
2: I, I guess, because this is like, Game of Thrones is such a... I would say it's an American cultural experience but if you think about no. it it's it's not it's it transcends just American culture because everyone watches
3: this thing like all over Europe like oh my gosh it's it's well, pretty wild the the thing about it that I find most fascinating though is that you know w- w- in the era of streaming the, the whole concept of like the world waiting to find out what happened like the world waiting to find out who shot Mr Burns or you know or something like that like you don't really get that anymore cuz people just binge whole entire series like in in one or two days but game of thrones i feel like it's one of the last true you know tele- television series that the entire world kind of waits on together yeah and, and then spoils for one another so
2: here so here's the interesting thing so so billions is on showtime or stars i don't sure. I don't have it um but it's normally on sunday but because of this episode for for whatever reason, they launched the episode live or streaming. I think on Saturday night, so that you could stream it off the Stars at the Showtime app instead of. And it wasn't so it wouldn't compete against Game of Thrones. Uh, so that's that. That is where Game of Thrones is as a cultural experience, at least in, in the U.S. and yeah, across the world, really. But uh, how about? she ninja aria is getting it done
3: yeah honestly one of the most horrifying moments i've ever seen in not no not horrifying i don't even know how to describe it so the scene in the library in which she's just constantly running hiding behind bookshelves it's this one true moment where you see her training is coming in handy is coming in handy but she's doubting herself it's like she's she's actually starting to think could i possibly be in over my head cuz how many times you know like after she got back um you know from the free city of valera is that you know did you see arya cry or truly panic not a lot and next next thing you know she you know she's near crying and then she eventually is crying when she gets overtaken by the horde it's it just it, you know it it was just it's something different that we hadn't seen as fans in a while
2: i guess i guess the thing is like so so she kills the night king right but you got to think back to it people are like
1: oh why did jon snow get to do anything blah blah
2: blah it's like well I mean, you don't you don't send her to the school of the assassin. You don't send her the KGB school of the assassins, right? And not not have her do some type of gangster shit, right? Like, there you go. Like total total character payoff. <laughs> um, and then a, and then a bunch of people are sort of pissed off. Be like, well, you know what should happen next is Cersei should be just like two days away with her army instead of hanging out in King's Landing so that just everyone dies. And I'm like, I was like, well, here's the thing. This is, like, if if this is in the book and not in the show, like, there are still people that are, I guess, more loyal to, like, Jon Snow south of the north. So as they are, not to necessarily Jon Snow, but to the Starks because, you know, the, the, the people on, the, the Lords of the Trident at River Run crowned Rob a Stark king of the north too so and then you you've got the Vale so when they march south you're going to get the lords of the trident you're going to get more reinforcements from the Vale you're probably going to get the Westerlands because you got two dragons fuck
3: Cersei. you got yeah yeah exa- you've got two dragons and Jamie is with you and then no, 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 hold on a second where is this coming from that they still have two dragons oh, oh, two no, dragons are, there, dead. It, two no, dragons no, are no, dead no dragons are dead they are in the two dragons are flying in
2: the trailer for the fourth episode, and Ghost Ooh. is too. So we good, man. We good. Okay, man. okay, we good. All right, we're, all we're right. Go to walk. <laughs> and uh, so you're gonna march south. You're probably gonna get everybody, right? In theory, like if this was the books, and then something no one's even talking about is Dorne, like completely unscathed. You probably got a fifty thousand man army, like ready to come over the mountains. I
3: wanted to know it was me. Oh, <laughs>
2: don't even get me started about the <laughs> going, man. <laughs> but, uh. I know it was me, man. So, so I uh, yeah I was it chaotic. Yeah, sure. Blah blah blah. Here's my deal. Um, I, I know we're going to talk about rugby at some point, but Miguel Saposhnik, like there was a lot of, I guess, fluffing going on last year for Battle of the Bastards for him as a director. But I got to say, for how much money they spent on that episode and this episode and how many days it took to film, the tactics are garbage. Like, come on. Like, if you're going to spend 55 days straight filming this thing, can we get some decent, like, flushed-out tactics? Like, they did part of it, but, I mean, I, I guess I understand what they were trying to do. And with some small changes, it could have looked a lot better. But I, I think the changes I would want are not the changes most people are screaming about, if that makes any sense. I don't
3: know. Yeah. I mean, I, I know we got to get to rugby, but the only thing I really had a problem with in, in this episode was somehow Sam being f- able to survive a 30 on one uh, White Walker attack or not, not White Walker. Uh, what, what are these zombies called again? Whites. Um, white white Walker. They're whites. Yeah, they're wise. White Walkers are only like the kings, you know, uh, the original kings of men. Um, Speaking of kings of men, we are here to talk about rugby, are we not? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Ruggers. All right.
1: um, Moving on. Liam, actually, did you have something you wanted to add?
3: Um, yeah, holy shit. We were just talking about how our week's been, weren't we? Um, but I was at a Viva stadium most of the day. Uh, I almost got the cops called on me for being a millennial, uh, unsupervised as is probably the simplest way to put it. Um, yeah, I I was basically, I was sitting in the parking lot waiting for people to come to unload stuff that we had at Dyer Stadium and the construction guys were like, what are you, what are you doing here? I'm used to being yeah. in Massachusetts, where construction workers talk like that. Uh, what are you doing here, kid? Like, yeah, Southie accent.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, That's more Brooklyn to me. Uh, yeah.
3: yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but construction workers just have a natural Brooklyn accent. Like when I was working construction for two years, I was just walking around talking like this. I was like, dude, what the hell has happened to me? Am I having a stroke? Like, what?
1: <laughs> Mike Petrie, if you can give us a if you can give us a rating on Liam's Brooklyn accent, that'd be great.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, yo, Trevor. Yeah, Trevor Cassidy. Uh, give, give, give Mike my number. I'll <laughs> <laughs> gladly.
1: All right. For those new to the podcast, each Monday night we discuss news and rumors from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union. It's a chance to look at the issues, hear from the league, players, and team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. That said, Aaron, what are we talk about this week?
2: So New York signed Basta. Um. I w- so the only thing that can make this signing good, the only thing, is if on July fourth, he is at the Nathan's original hot dog eating contest, and he, it's him versus Joey Chestnut. Okay, make it happen, please, please, that dude. I mean, he's six foot two, sixty. He's rapid. I mean, he's like Lasikay with forty extra pounds. Like,
3: it's kind of funny. Like when you, uh, when you go on some of the European rugby pages, like on Facebook and Reddit and stuff, they're like, you know, Oh, I wonder how they got that signing money, sign, money, sign, money, sign. And I'm just like, y'all need to do some research on the league. (laughs) I mean, it's not even a signing. It's a loan. it's loan.
2: It's a one year loan type thing. And he's, well, I don't think he's going to be a cap hit because it's going to be structured interestingly, but some people that are New York fans think he is going to be a cap hit. So I don't know. Um, but however, they lost to the Raptors. Um, I, I'm never locking a pick on Super Brew again on a Monday ever. So uh, Austin thumped in Utah, uh, Toronto arrows fly in the turbulence for the W at home. And San Diego is atop the Major League Rugby
1: Standings table. All right, so first up, we have Rooney visiting Colorado, where they decided to lose at the last minute,
3: 20-16.
1: <laughs> in an uncharacteristically slow game for Glendale, the Raptors were able to sneak it out in the end, thanks to a late try by Chad London. Rooney was dealing with injuries, and this is... Excuse me, this has caused some chemistry issues with the Roosters, Leo.
3: Yeah. Um so one thing I like I thought about after like this game was Glendale and Toronto just aren't going to go away. And like and here's the I don't have anything like personal against those teams or any of the coaches, but it's just you you think that they were two highly hyped teams that kind of proved that the hype wasn't real that they were going to be falling out of the playoffs and they then they're both just like, mm, no, no, we're going to make it interesting." And to be honest, I love that because that, I think that means that it's going to be pretty uh, competitive this season all the way up until the very last week. So by all means, guys, keep winning. Keep it interesting. Just don't beat the Sabercats again, Glendale. Um, some stats for you guys that you won. Glendale, 672 meters gained, averaging five meters per pass on two total tries by way of Mr. Johnny Ryberg and Chad London. Uh, Rooney managed 52% possession rate to go along with 653 meters gained for an average MPP of 4.3. So, uh, definitely some issues with efficiency there. Normally you'd want to be averaging around five to six meters a pass. Uh, otherwise you probably just had a ton of lateral movement in the passing game. Now, of course, numbers aren't everything and they definitely, you know, there was definitely plenty of instances in which the Raptors had some good forward momentum. They, They weren't, you know, just totally lateral But those great drives, I feel like, tended to be coupled with phases full of miscues and handling errors. And unfortunately, statistics of good and bad connotations aren't baseball where the tie goes to the runner in this case. If if your negative stats are pretty much even with the positive ones, you probably didn't have a good game. Um, Players to highlight for Glendale, uh, you have to talk about Chad London, 84 total meters on the day with uh, with the aforementioned try. Going all the way back to PRO, this guy just impresses the hell out of me whenever he moves around the field uh for new york there there was a few guys like i, I would like to uh, to highlight you know d- despite it being a loss but um i gotta go with cahill marsh uh 74 total meters rushing in the game to go along with 214 kicking uh and one successful shot at the post uh he gets me excited because when he's 100 percent, he's one of the most entertaining guys to watch in the league especially when he has the ball in space and i'm just really happy to see him healthy heading into the final stretch towards the postseason um you know obviously being the boston kid not the not the most optimal thing to be seeing New York uh, or any New York team doing well, but hey, as long as it's the Irishman uh, showing up, then I'll take it. Well, he's not healthy.
2: He, he's healthy enough to to toss uh, the rock around,
3: w- w- which is kind of why I specify when he's at a hundred percent. You know, he's one of uh, the most entertaining people. He was still he he, he was moderately uh, livable. I mean, he was moderately limited.
2: Yeah, I, I think. Uh... I mean, he will get there. He's he's not
3: there yet. Otherwise, he would he would be
2: kicking. He wouldn't have, you know, Connor Wallace Sims kicking, uh, which was interesting. Um, I mean, he can kick with the ball in hand, but I I don't think I've seen Connor Wallace Sims kick sticks in like five years. So that was cool. Uh, so stupidly, we all made our picks on on Monday night. Um, never doing that again. Um, when I saw the roster for New York on that uh, on that other show I work on Wednesday night, uh, I had this feeling they would lose. And then the next day, the roster that they put out was even more different because of injuries or whatever. I, I don't know. But none of the combinations really that they used on Saturday um, had been used previously, even with guys on the bench. They hadn't really um, – they haven't really built their depth. We, we knew that they had a talented roster, but over this period where they won a bunch of games, they didn't like bring those guys in one game at a time to get them match time. And, and so how do, you, I, I, how do I say this? Yes, they had depth, but they didn't have depth at the same time. That makes sense. Um, and given the way the last two weeks have gone – uh, it's been it's been interesting for them. Uh, you know, when I look at the lineup, uh, I see some things for for Glendale and some things I don't. Otto Malifa at ten to rest McGee was very important. He's also a different type of ten, uh, much that you know he he doesn't kick most of the time. Um, uh, how do I? But how do I how do I phrase this? So if Will starts this game and Otta comes off the bench they don't win this game because of how it happened. The way Will McGee played in that last 15 minutes was a significant part of how they won with his, with his ball distribution. Um, Carlo Dineshen. I I would say those four minutes that he ran that hurry up attack out of their end of the field to get to the point where Chad London um, got the ball Um, and basically ran through three tacklers was – this is hyperbole, but that was the best four-minute sample of any scrum half running an attack so far this season. Um, You know, Chad London, uh, that score is really important. Um, He did more than that Uh, on the weekend. He had 14 tackles, uh, you know, what was it, 84 meters. Like, he had a really good game. Um. Uh, so for most of this game, I want to say for like, well, not most of this game, but for about a 15-minute period in the second half, did you guys think it was going to be a draw?
3: No, no. Uh, and like... At points it, it, it did? I don't know. It, it just... Neither one of those teams kind of strikes me as, you know, as a team that, w- that would ultimately end in a draw, even though Glend Hill has, you know, had two already. But it, it just it felt like something was going to give the entire game. So I, whether it was going to be a shot at the post or a Johnny Ryberg line break, you know?
2: So uh, I want to, uh,
3: we'll get into I, it. I, I, should also say I never expect draws. I just, I, I hate them so much that like, I just, well,
2: they, they were tied for like 10 to 15 minutes. And it, I guess it, it to was the 71st
3: like, minute or something uh, like that. Uh, tennis, like,
2: right. Uh, you know, uh commenter put in, uh, this is the kind of, this is sort of the kind of game I hate. All the tactical kicking. I, I wanna see like kicks in play, like very attacking rugby, but it was just like bunk, 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 uh, uh. <laughs> 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 But so it was I mean New York played a lot different earlier in the season. I wanna say they played partially I would say they played more front foot attacking rugby and given who this roster was I didn't think that they would be able to play this very tactical game and still achieve a victory I sort of felt that that's what Mike would Mike Tolkien would lean on in his game plan because he he did that a lot with the Eagles there was a lot of cross-kicking when he was coach and I was just like I'm, I'm out of here, man. Like I'm bored. Um, but we'll get to the other thing I hate at, towards the end of the show. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, when I saw that roster, I, I immediately felt that uh, Glendale was going to win and Glendale didn't really make too many changes. The biggest one was Otta at 10 and McGee off the bench. Uh, and then, uh, so w- we talked about injuries. We talked about combinations, uh, and, you know, not getting that depth and resting guys Two of the guys that New York has ridden like really hard have been Fawcett and Breakley. Fawcett and Breakley, you know, gave you their type of games. Like they gave you what's in the tank. Uh, And at the end of the, at, you know, Mike Brown can play. Is he just on the roster because you need someone on the roster for this game? And he's actually not fit to play. Like if like, he's only going to be able to give you 10 minutes at best, is he a red is he a red player and not a yellow player, if that makes sense? Like you have green players who can go like a long time, yellow players who can't. I don't know. Some people make systems like that. But um is is he able to go? Because if he's able to go, like that like Fawcett partially there were three guys who missed Chad London. Dylan was one of them. Um if Mike Brown's fit, he could have played those last 10 minutes and given Fawcett, you know, some breathing room. Um, another uh, the locks seem to be very thin for New York because Berkeley A has played every single minute that I can tell. Um I, I need to pull it up, but he's in the top five uh for minutes played in the league. Um
3: Yeah, it's a it's a North Shore thing.
2: <laughs> <Massachusetts, laughs> Maylord, baby. Maylord <laughs> Al Chibori.
3: Dave. I'm gonna call you up.
2: Okay, we're gonna chat. I'm gonna find out why Malon has not started all season. Cause that dude, that dude can ball. Like, he was getting after it in the six shirt. I think there is now gonna be some competition
3: uh, at the Pacific Nations Cup and going into, uh, you know, World Cup warm ups. If you've ever had a, actually had a conversation with Dave, you'll know what it feels like to be out of breath just from listening to somebody speak. <laughs> he, is, he is like the most intense person yeah like you want so if, if he's was, mad friendly he was wicked friendly to me like oh, you know when, oh, I, when I talk to him but, super cool like he's yeah cool.
2: but like just how he talks is so intense
3: I'm exactly like, like that's what i mean i was like <sighs> <laughs>
1: yeah right, moving on to the next game this week we had austin visiting utah Austin was in this match for the first half, and then they fell apart in the second half. Only managing a consolation try at the end. Fatu Varnicolo, and Gannon Moore are the engine for this Utah Warriors team. And this Warriors team will be a playoff party spoiler as the season draws to an end. Aaron?
2: So let's look at this game. Uh, classic Utah game in that well, if you look at their losses, it's it, Austin was the, the loser in this way. Uh, overall, I, I think you saw a glimpse of life in Austin, but the wheels they, they did fall off very fast. It was really great to see Mason Pedersen, Peter Malcolm out there, but uh, Mason came off with an injury. I hope he's all right because uh, he's just he's been struggling to get fit for most of the season. I do wonder where we are now in, in the second season, Austin reshaped their roster, uh, but, but really never had all of their players. Their idea was, Hey, we're going go um, to go full time in order to do this. Uh, you know, some of the, if the guys that are on the roster don't want to, can't do that, make that commitment, you know, we're not, we're not going to, we're just going to let them go. Um, you know, and two of those guys uh, did leave and got signed elsewhere. In uh, Victor Comta and Hank O'Hammish for, you know, and then all, a bunch didn't get signed. They're playing with the Huns and Blacks for whatever reasons. Was this a good idea? Well, I don't know. I think I, I loved when I spoke with Thierry Dupont about it at the beginning of the season. Well, actually, during recruitment back in October, uh, I appreciated what their intent was and what they wanted to do but because of visas being what they are and because of injuries being what they are, they've never had like a consistent or big enough training group to, to get where they wanted to go. And uh, I, I think this is, you know, they, they didn't have a consistent spine pretty much all, all season. And when they got it consistent, guess what? They changed it up again. Um, so I think, I, I love the concept of going full-time but I'm not sure it worked that well uh, because of everything they could have expanded like most teams their full-time training group uh, with specific signings and kept still kept a bigger part-time training group but they that's not where they wanted to go I think they just wanted to go as professional as fast as you can um, with given the the salary constraints and it, it didn't work out. Uh, Austin squad, you know, like I said, hasn't been deep. But what we're seeing now from Utah is they are coming to form. They've got this consistency along their in their roster and along their spine. Uh, Lieber uh, has been now a consistent starting hooker for them. Uh, Johnny Ika at nine, Reeves at ten, O'Malley at inside center, and now Simple at uh, at fullback. Uh, although I'll tell you, the first game simple started at ten was horrendous, and I was like, "Where has this guy played professional rugby ever?" <laughs> but he can play fifteen pretty good. Like he was, he was, he was class. Uh, Utah had some thumpers. Uh, they always have their thumpers. That's so just where they are. And Austin couldn't match yet. Austin did play decently well. Like I said, what what was different is that Utah played some good defense this time. Uh, they played. They, caught the, they got the ball in good position. That's why they didn't run up a lot more yards, and that's also why the game sort of looks even. But their defense, like how many tackles they did to stop Austin was was insane. But you hope it – well, Austin is the contender for the wooden spoon, so you hope that Utah's defense can figure it out because I think they're they're aiming for their spot in the standings at 7th. And if they spoil some people, they might get to sixth. um, but for Austin, you know you you look at this and you're probably pissed off when you look in the mirror because Austin only committed four penalties. they played clean, which is insane for them for only four penalties in major league rugby so far for in a game, really, and Utah committed sixteen,
3: yeah. Uh, I think I was even going to get to that at one point in my, in my whole spiel. Um, what I found this game to actually be surprisingly entertaining. I'm not sure if that was a result of both sides being desperate for a win or if these two teams just kind of sucker on one another's level. No offense. Kind of anyway, not a bad night for Austin statistically, uh, which is about as a big a consolation prize as I can give them 60% possession advantage, 780 total meters gained, and a pretty good average MPP of about 5.5. Unfortunately, uh, those 17 turnovers made it count for jack shit, and Utah even had 14 of their own. So you got to work pretty hard to make make that not count. So anyway, Utah, they finally get some results while also looking good. On the night, 610 meters for an average MPP of about 5.1. Check this, though. Eight total line breaks, which is a pretty you know big number for a single game. I'm actually surprised that the MPP wasn't higher as a result of that. However, uh, it's the three steals in the breakdown and the two in the lineup that resulted in a total of two tries by my count, and I found that wildly impressive. Uh, you know, it's just a more aggressive Utah is a really fun Utah watch, especially when they're actually getting the results that they want. Uh, my players to highlight for Utah got to be Vonnie Colo, of course, 104 meters off eight carries, two tries. And what was for some guys a season's worth of highlight runs in one game? That's uh, then also you got Dom Potty also has to be in there. So on that try,
2: like, I want to know how the tackle breaks are calculated because what I would think of a tackle break, I would think he had like three in that try that he's, that scored, Mm -hmm.
3: because there were like three different junctures that people tried to tackle him. Sometimes I think like you know, it, like it, it, it's a shove, like you know, is it, is like a really close stiff arm, a broken tackle? like you know, is you know, is like a fingertip on the back of the jersey a broken tackle? I guess th- th- there's a bunch of stuff you you gotta consider there. And also I, I it's humans, not machines, I think, that are making these uh, statistic reports. It's probably humans because I haven't got the official Sabercat report in the frickin' Google Drive file yet, Uh, so that frickin' sucks. Anyway, uh, I I was talking about Dom Potty, not files that should be there that are not. uh, 84 meters, uh, slightly more than 10 meters of pop. Great night for Donny P., so got a highlight there. Uh, For Austin, uh, not... Not a whole lot. Uh, Juan Pablo Aguirre Romero topped, uh, topped the rushing chart with 76 total meters, uh, while Travis Larson, defensive machine, going 100% on 14 tackle attempts. Uh, and, and, and those are completed tackles as well. So, like, sometimes I think statistics on tackles get a little skewed because people are like, oh, well, you're only making a ton of tackles because, you know, you're sucking and you're not on offense, which, you know, to a degree is true. But I like it. I like looking at an individual player's completed tackle percentage, um, you know, as opposed to their uh, tackles attempted. Uh, simply because, like, you know, if you need to make a tackle, it's going you know, that's on you as a player to complete the tackle and to use your form and your strength. So, should, if he uh, needs to attempt fourteen tackles and he completes all of them, you know, I, I found that to be pretty impressive. They should look at San Diego. Um, their 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 tackle rate
2: is. It's very impressive for a team that is atop the standings. They do not, they do not allow teams to do anything. It's kind of amazing.
3: Yeah, I fucking noticed. We'll get to noticed. that. We'll get to, <laughs> we'll get to that
1: towards the end of. All right, so moving on to the next result, we have Toronto almost blanking the Seattle SeaWolves twenty nine to seven. So you know something, something, an arrow flies in the wind. Toronto controlled this match from beginning to end with the slight Seawolves detour in the 62nd minute. The wind (laughs) played a big part in this match with the arrows taking better advantage of the conditions. Aaron or Liam, I'm sorry. Oh, can't read. I I can't read.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, guess what? That's not going to stop me because I can't read. Um, Also, I loved how you say a little Seattle detour in the the 60-second minute. This reminds me of some old English couple driving along the countryside. Oh, Edgar, look at that dickfish over there. Isn't that lovely? Let's take a detour. Let's go see the dickfish, Edgar. (laughs) 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 Anyway, I said on the first episode um, of Saturday Morning Teen Juice, which you guys should absolutely watch uh, this coming weekend as well, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, Uh, I said that there wasn't going to be a whole lot of middle ground in this one. It was either going to be wildly competitive down to the last minute or it was going to be a blowout. Uh, The only thing is, though, um, I didn't expect it to be Toronto doing the ones, you know, the ones doing the blowing. Never mind. Okay, Toronto on the night, 839 (laughs) meters gained with an average MPP of 4.3, which is way lower than I thought it would be. But when you look and see what that Toronto actually had over 20 total attacking minutes compared to just 15 from Seattle, that kind of says a lot about, you know, what, how they were controlling the clock and how that kind of affected the ultimate outcome of the game. Meanwhile, for Seattle, some surprising statistics here actually, bandaged to average about 4.4 meters per game on 736 total meters, way below their season average. But Meanwhile, their completed tackle percentage of ninety-two was way ahead of Toronto's eighty-four. So big whoop. Um, They were they were better in the quick ball. They committed less penalties, and they had three total steals between the lineout and the breakdown. So, you know, like like kind of like Josh said, you know, uh, there there was that little Seattle detour. There were some flashes of the normal Seattle, but there just wasn't jack in terms of production. Uh, Highlighting the players. Dan Moore, he had one or two mistakes in the games, including one handling ever. Uh, But overall, his normal, amazing Canadian self, 172 meters for an average MVP of nine even. And that's only off one line break all game. So he also added himself a try on top. And in my opinion, Toronto actually does make the playoffs. I think Dan Moore might be a dark horse MVP candidate. You know, don't at me or at me, actually. No, I want all the interaction on Twitter that I do. So totally at me. Um uh, Seattle again <laughs> <laughs> raising some eyebrows as both Shalom Suniula and Matt Turner era, uh, eclipsed uh eclipse the century mark in terms of meters gained, with uh Shalom being the only one of the two, yeah. uh or the no, team no, no, in general to score. That,
2: that was that was Roland who went was, over the century mark.
3: Shit, I'm sorry, I'm I'm confusing my Sunniulas.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Roland had a freaking game. We'll talk about him too.
3: Mm. yeah no no absolutely I, I, i'm sorry to this, the to the uh yeah i'm sorry to the so, so, suny ula brothers i'm looking at because it's because it's because Şalom, shalom had the try and roland had 145 meters one ear full of dirt yeah all right yeah my, my bad guys totally uh you know great great players great great output uh from both of y'all um so, like I was saying, it was sort of the game that I was expecting, just the other way around.
2: Uh, yeah, um, so who wants my lotto picks? Picked uh, Toronto at home, although not like this. No, thought it was going close, um, but I guess not. Um, there was a lot of chatter after the game on social about adversity that Seattle may have endured in to travel issues. Um, I don't care. Uh, I didn't care about Austin's because I said they could have flown out on a friday um you know richie Walker uh you know got in touch with him he was like, yeah, they happened um but this is professional sports and those are excuses so we we just play like crap um you know if we want to di- so if we if we want to have a discussion on travel arrangements in in major league rugby should we uh, i well, I will um, without trying to step on too many toes. Uh, in in the NFL, Friday is a travel day. Austin got stuck in Dallas on a Saturday for a game on a Sunday. They'd flown on Friday. There wasn't that weather in Dallas on Friday. Um, and there would have been a game. So why teams aren't flying a full two days ahead of their game, I don't know. But that's gonna be a lesson learned for this the rest of this season I would think um, so Roland Suniula's first start he goes out there and cranks one um 17 uh, carries for 145 meters and this is where you like go talk about involvements and whatnot uh, a line break four tackle breaks three offloads and uh, 14 tackles. Wow. Good for him. Good for him. Um, You know, one of the guys that uh, has gotten a lot of pub, I guess, uh, for Seattle. And because he is, whether he's playing at lock or playing at six, it don't matter. Brad Tucker gets his. 11 carries, 68 meters, and he led the league in tackles again, 28. Dear God. Um, also, two line-out steals. So if you wonder why your line-out sucks, it's because Brad Tucker is messing with it, and he's stealing your ball. That's what I got to say. <laughs> Brad Tucker, man, that, that dude is that dude's filthy. I, 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 I Wow. He, he's really good. Uh, man, I, so let's talk about this tactically. So you have the wind. Do you kick? If you have the wind, do you kick? The idea is yes, but how are you kicking? You, you want to kick to where you can give yourself possession or you can pin the other team in a place where it doesn't matter um, because you will get the ball back because they're too deep. Well, um, Toronto's tactical kicking in the first half was atrocious, didn't really notice that they had the wind until like the last 10 minutes of the second quarter. Uh now let's get into Seattle's tactical kicking. JP Smith filling in at scrum half or fly half for an injured uh Benzema and I believe is in concussion protocol and should be good to play in a couple weeks. They have bye this week so that should allow a bunch of their guys to get healthy uh before they play their next match um you know but jp he didn't have the wind and it he was kicking high trajectory balls that just basically went three meters because of the wind it was it was bad like he was having a bad game and you know he has used that kicking game at scrum half before so it's not really a position specific thing um, this game was super tactical until sort of the last, uh, the, the last part of the game because there was only one try in the first half by by Toronto, and then they just like in that last like fifteen minutes, they 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 shot the arrow, as the lady on the sideline said to uh, Dan Moore, um, you know, the passing. It's windy. Like, it was so windy. I mean, Liam, we can talk about the wind on the Sabercats match, but I I would say it was just as bad.
3: I was was in an air-conditioned press box during the Sabercats (laughs) match. I I am not aware of any wind. (laughs) Oh, oh,
2: oh, air-conditioned. No humidity. We're good. Uh, But...
3: (laughs) Dude, I mean, freaking! I, I sorry. Just like I, I funny story. Like um, at one point during halftime, like I walked down to like you know like the sideline, and I was talking to uh, to Turnbull, um, and uh, and, and uh, my other friend Gabe on the team, and I, I was just kind of like you know like making fun of him. I was like, "Yeah, I'm enjoying my air conditioning." Turnbull's just like, "Oh, hey, pouchy, go get me a fucking water." <laughs> I went and got him the water.
0: Yeah,
2: but uh, yeah. So both teams, man, they couldn't pass for anything. And I know how much rucking sucks as much as scrummaging, especially when you're doing it for fitness in practice. If you're a forward, because that happens, done that. It's actually good. It's actually good practice as long as you don't break anything. Um, but how ball security? Every pass you throw that goes, that you're throwing a looping pass misses the target because it's windy and it's blowing the ball all over the place. Short pass, short pass, short pass, phase, 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 phase ball security and you know both teams couldn't figure that out until late in the second half and you know uh well a few people played good defense for for seattle and some not so much uh really mm, that's that's how the cookie crumbled
3: Mm, cookies i I didn't eat before the podcast i'm like mad hungry right now totally might get some jack-in-the-box after this Dude.
1: Well, Liam, Liam, since you spoke, it's it's time to move on to your favorite topic. How much did the Sabercats lose by this week?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Walking 21.
0: Um,
2: hey, right. I was right <laughs> on the money at 20 points, and Corey sent us all an email, was like, hey, baby, San Diego hey. by 35. How's that feel? I was like, hey, Aaron.
3: <laughs> Aaron, if you put all your chips on 20 – and the roulette wheel ends up on 21, do you still get the money? Um, obviously not. But, ah, yeah,
2: but uh, when, it, when it comes to,
3: hey, this is. <laughs> it's, an, it's an inexact thing, science. Friend, I, I commend you, my friend. If I pick
2: on the line, I pick 20. You don't get paid unless they cover. So you got to cover. So they cover. They had 21 points. Thank you.
1: Thank you. All right
3: all right, all right, you got, you got paid, you got paid. Um, um,
1: yeah, but to be fair, you'd only get like a dollar out of it. That's true yeah.
3: because they are the favorites, so <laughs> they probably would have cost me, you know, 50, 50 cents. There there was some dude who like, he bet on the Golden State Warriors, he, he bet like 600k on the Golden State Warriors to beat some shit team in the NBA, and he only won like 600 bucks. Like, yeah, because it was like, yeah, obviously the Warriors are going to win, but all right. Betting so
1: anyway, money. Right. this jobs. this game between the Legion and Houston was just straight up fugly. <laughs> Houston had their opportunities, but telegraphed them way too much, allowing the Legion to make their Tristan Blue impression multiple times. This game got chippy towards the end, with Houston getting frustrated. <laughs> Aaron,
2: um, I won't really talk about the chippiness other than that, um, gentlemen. Um, I hope you kissed and made up at the social. <laughs> uh, so Nate Augsburger, Joe Peterson, Kenny KK, and Mike Teo. I'm just, just going to say that. and No, I'm actually going to talk about the game. Uh, so those are names, but how did it happen? Don't get me wrong. I love scrummaging. I love scrum talk. But scrums happen because of knockouts. There were 27 scrums in this game. As a casual viewer. That's like, you personally, I like to see a rapid game. I like to see um, quick, I like to see quick ball out of the ruck, whether it's to another phase or to out wide and to just run the game. Um, 27 scrums is a lot. Like it's like, it's a lot. I would say that's, that has to be the most scrums in a game this year. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Um, so Pat Blair, uh, props to him. Hasn't played hooker. Will probably practice hooker more than a week uh, during the season. uh, In the last, or even in the last six months, because he's been the twelfth or thirteenth man in almost every HSBC Seven Series tour stop. Uh, You know, he's an eagle hooker, so like he knows how to play. But man, he's he's third on the death chart uh, at hooker. We've seen him come off the bench at back row for the Legion already this season uh, because they have a lot of. They, well, they had two really good hookers, but they're both out injured. Uh, Dean Meir should be coming back pretty soon. And uh, O.C. Piffle, no, Capelli, Le, Le, I'm sorry, bro. Capelli, Pifletti should be coming back uh, out of concussion protocol. Uh, but he, he started, and, you know, towards the end he was playing hurt. I hope he's good. Uh, Houston, and th- this goes into the New York, the New York game. And uh, I talked about player management. Sam Windsor didn't have a good game. Didn't? I mean, he, he yeah. He, no shit. He 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 would admit as much. Um, you know, I haven't talked to him about it, but he would he would say that. Uh, and I guys, I don't. This is for anyone who's playing eighty minutes every week because there are there are a ton of you. Riker Tadding, another one. Um, like there are a ton of dudes that play eighty minutes every week. Let your coach sub you out, please. Um, Houston needs another ten. They have another ten. They haven't used him in two full seasons, the same, or two almost full seasons. Um, and we're talking this other ten is probably was built at coming out of high school as like the next wonder kid. At ten, went down to New Zealand and just torched up, uh, you know, age grade club rugby
3: when he was down there. And, and, and the, the kid in question still a lot of people still have a really high opinion of him uh, in rugby circles, both, you know, in <laughs> yeah, both in Texas, you know, and abroad, especially because he's played with uh he's played with the Scottish um U-20s U- U- team before he has international experience. So, so, I mean, you know,
2: well, US U-20s team. He was uh, I think it was like U-16s for Scotland, Scotland. Um, he he was in Dubai for it with Scotland. That was so that was
3: U17s? Back in the day? No, that no, that was it was literally a year ago. It was it, it was like in it was in Dubai. Like I I talked to him like when he got home. Like, Interesting. Maybe yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe he's saying to uh, the United States that he wants to uh He 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 missed he missed qualification for the USA U twenties by a month.
2: No, so, that guy Different guy. He was he, he was on the roster. Well, Are the you board. still talking about? Your-
0: <laughs>
3: Whatever.
2: <laughs> um. Um. So, moving forward, yeah. Uh, manage. We, we need player management and don't let dudes play. Um. We'll, I'll do the math later, but sixteen games times eighty minutes. They're just gonna. Yeah. <laughs> so. Guys who had good games. I, I thought Combs uh, off the bench uh, had a good game. Uh, honestly, uh, probably should be starting. In my opinion. He is a very handy player. Put on twenty more pounds, please, please. He would be a monster. Uh, Malachi Asdale played, threatened. Wamba played well. Dion Myself played well. Powerful athletes. Uh, you know it. They did have the ability. Overall, though, the Sabercats didn't really have the ability to create a lot of line breaks or tackle breaks uh, because of what San Diego brings in intensity with uh, with their um, line speed. Like, that defense is kind of wild.
3: Yeah. So don't even get me started on line speed because, unfortunately, it's been one of the major problems with the Sabercats all season. It, it's getting better. It's just not... Where, where it needs to be, which is really disappointing because you have so many of the guys out on the back line who are just brimming with potential and talent. But anyway, I haven't got the stat report for this game. Not too happy about that. But, hey, what are you going to do? I um, agree with Aaron, or sorry, I agree with Josh, rather, that this game got pretty fugly. Uh, San Diego had a multitude of penalties inside their own red zone, uh, particularly in the scrum. Unfortunately, it was the aforementioned interceptions that drove the players, Fitzy, and myself totally crazy. Uh, ask anybody who was probably sitting, like, you know, just in front of the press box. They probably heard a couple muffled... <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm like,
3: I, I, didn't, I didn't ask anybody if they, if they heard. I just kind of kept going. <laughs> what? Yeah.
2: So so did you, have you... You've edited this game?
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: So, like... <laughs> I guess that guy that was making <laughs> like, I couldn't so someone someone said on the reddit board I was like I wonder for the casual viewer if this keeps them engaged or makes them
3: go away because I well I well, well, thought it was wait, no, I, no, wait, I I definitely did not make it onto the broadcast no there was there was there was a dude like right next to the camera
2: cussing up a storm all game
1: all game oh my gosh they were also playing the uncensored version of some songs too well
3: yeah so don't don't get me wrong our fans can get pretty intense but overall they're very fun people uh gotta gotta love our, our our saber fans um, but anyway, as I was saying, uh, unfortunately, it was the aforementioned uh, interceptions, uh, you know, or pick fives, I guess you could say, as well as just a multitude of handling errors and, uh, and, and losses in the breakdown uh, during points where we were totally in scoring position. It's been a big issue for the Cats, just not capitalizing on clear opportunities when they're there. Uh, Houston only one score, uh, you know, in the first half by way of Dion Mike Sell, uh, who's doing a great job, by the way. He got his second try of the season uh, in three games. Stand as the only points before uh, th- uh, Threaten Palamo, who's also been on a scoring binge lately, and Charlie Connolly would get uh, a try apiece in the final 20 minutes. Uh, I find it actually kind of funny. We played we played great rugby, in or decent rugby, in the first 20 minutes, and then we played, played pretty good rugby in the final 20 minutes. So altogether, that's one half of pretty good rugby from the Cats do it over 80 minutes guys. You're so capable. I know every single one of the guys on the team is capable of playing great rugby over 80 minutes. Mm, It's just not happening. Um, I loved watching Boyer in this one, uh, for San Diego. I feel like he just has like that innate shiftiness, uh, from his, uh, from from his experience, the scrum half, but he, he also just has this weird ability to bully people when he carries. I, I think he's like the quintessential, Essential figure when it comes, you know, the, the point that people make that San Diego is such a well balanced team. I think that's really, you know, exemplified by the way he plays.
1: All right, so we're gonna move on to our p- picks from last week. Or in my case, I will be reading Corey's picks. Um, we had Glendale beating Rooney twenty to sixteen. Aaron, you picked New York by five. Liam, you had New York by seven, and Corey had New York by seventeen. We saw. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. All right, we had Utah beating Austin thirty-five to seventeen. Aaron, you had thirty-five
2: U- to nineteen,
3: actually. There was there oh. there is a correction that's been submitted. So, yeah, that happens a lot at games. I've been noticing, dude, is like is sometimes like the scoreboard people and the announcers they they don't know the game of rugby, and so like they're not looking for like the flags to go up, um, like you know, uh like after the conversion. So they're trying to rely on their eyes. And then lo and behold, because rugby balls get kicked from different angles on the field. Sometimes it's not always entirely clear. I just, you know, if, if it made like, it it,
2: I think I, stopped I would watching the kicks and just look for flags.
3: I would just yeah. like to bring up. That's, two that's, points. that's what I do when I edit. I'd like to bring up two points. Whoever was
1: running the production for the Toronto Seattle game. Did not know the score because after <laughs> halftime, it was eight, nothing Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> also, I know it's probably expensive, but we need that light system that got tested at the Sevens in Hong Kong, and the Pro 14 is now using. So yeah. I, saw,
2: I saw that was cool. I mean, Wales is going to be all about it. Um, apparently, I, I don't. I don't know. Make your make your funny. I mean, it's a gimmick that we could totally use. Really, I mean, why not?
1: It's not that expensive. It's, it might be worth it just to get people like. Hey, you can't always, like, especially for something like Toronto where you only have fans on the one side and can't exactly see all the kicks. Like, hey, the kick goes through. Flags go up. Lights go on. Hey. All right. So Utah beat Austin 35-19. to 19. Aaron, you had Utah minus 7. Liam, you had Utah minus 14. Corey, unfortunately, had Austin by 3. Ah. Sucks to be
2: him. Yeah. Didn't really see the
3: scoreline happening, but definitely saw the pick. Hold on, does, does, it, does it sucks to be him, or does it shucks to be him?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, that's
1: too good. Oh, how's it going? All right, moving on to Toronto beating Seattle 29-7. to 7. Aaron's the only team who got the, Excuse me. Aaron is the only person who got the team right as he took Toronto minus three. Liam, you yeah. took Seattle minus 11, and Corey had Seattle minus 7. And, oh, we
3: suck again.
1: And then everyone's favorite game of the week, especially Liam's. San Diego beat Houston 40-19. to 19. Aaron came closest with San Diego at 20. Liam, you said Bain for whatever reason. And Corey had San Diego minus 35.
0: I was
3: sort born of- from the darkness.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was sort of like Bane hating a child.
3: <laughs> yeah you know like you could almost hypothetically say that people asked me to stop picking SaberCat games at the office <laughs> 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 all right
1: aaron you want to go over the standing so far oh my gosh this is this is new hotness
2: um so a game ahead of new orleans just just to point that out for san diego so uh when Nola plays this weekend, uh, you know, things may change. But at 9 2 and 1, 46 table points, um, San Diego is now atop the standings. At 8 and 3, with 45 table points, New Orleans is in second. At 8 and 4, with 41 table points. Seattle is in third. And New York, even though they lost, Remains a point ahead at eight and three with 38 points of Glendale,
3: who just good. They're the better team,
2: ain't going away. <laughs> ain't um, going away at uh, six, four and two with 37 table points. In fifth is the Glendale Raptors, Sixth, six and five, 34 table points is Toronto. And we now have a shift at the, in the bottom three, Utah at two, eight and one. Moves up to with 16 points to seventh, and the Sabercats drop at two and nine with only 11 points to eighth. And you know, the same old story at 0 and 11, undefeated with four table points is uh Austin.
3: You keep using that word, I don't think you know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's gotta be a better word than undefeated. No, for it's, I, I forget,
2: uh, I forget what. There was I know I'm the
3: English major who should know that. But there I, was a there was a radio show that I
2: was listening. I forget what it was, but like when um when Jim Schwartz or whoever the freak it was with the Lions when went 0 and, and 16, they were like, no, they should be rewarded because man, that takes work. You got to work to go winless, man. <laughs> you got to try to go winless. Like keep them, <laughs> keep the whole staff. I don't care, keep them.
3: And for, so, you know, like, after 0-12, you're probably just like, it's for the number one pick, boys. Let's do this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Let's move into week 15 predictions. First up, technically an Austin home game that is being played in New Orleans this weekend.
2: Well, um, and-
1: I, I mean, not this week. Let's go
2: New Orleans minus 20 because – well, I mean, that's still a bonus point win, so or should be in theory.
3: Uh, I'm going to go Nola minus twelve. I think Austin is just going to have one of those games where they're just so desperate for the for a win, they're going to have a couple frames where they're doing pretty well. Um, Nola's defense has been pretty suspect against teams that can get pretty physical uh, in the forward pack. So you got Big Ben Mitchell who's going to be a, a factor there. So I mean, yeah, no, d- definitely a Nola win, but like I don't. So think-
2: Austin scrummed
3: really well you know
2: granted it was Utah scrum but they they've scrummed okay
1: they just can't get back to the spot but
2: but New Orleans has not been scrumming pretty well
3: so yeah exactly and which is why i, I expect uh big ben mitchell to have a good game against nola
1: hey, if austin can get back to the mark the correct mark i think it'll be closer <laughs> but i still have nola winning by 25 next up we have uh, excuse me. The Austin game is 4 o'clock Eastern on Saturday on ESPN+. Plus. Next up, we have the Utah Warriors visiting the Glendale Raptors at 9 o'clock Eastern. Aaron?
2: Well. Hmm.
1: Hmm.
3: Raptors hmm. by 10. Just, uh... uh- I love how you pretend to think about it like it's not (laughs) written in the script in front of you. (laughs) Mm, Mm. uh, It's like when you're staring at like you know at the menu at a restaurant, but but you uh, you're just gonna get the same thing you get every day. You fat piece of hey, we we, can't make it too obvious. I I eat
1: steak and broccoli every day. (laughs) (laughs) You you took that back. (laughs) You should probably change that to chicken and broccoli then.
3: Yeah, no. I I should clarify I was just making a self-deprecating millennial joke. It's <laughs> you're going to have your porch. Do do I, do I look like I eat a whole lot of freaking <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, ramen.
2: Ramen lots of ramen.
3: No, not anymore. My uh, my pancreas I I not to get too into detail. I have a pretty weak pancreas and uh my doctor told me no more of uh ramen every day so what can you eat then bland bland stuff like like you know like chicken i can eat meat that's not like you know that's not like spicy i can't douse ribs in barbecue sauce anymore Uh,
1: i I, I guess i should have said what can you afford
3: (laughs) dude (laughs) Dude, straight up like like, like, don't give me like I, I guilt trip people like sometimes in the SaberCat office. I'm just like, hey man, this like you want me to drive all these places and I don't have gas money. You should give me gas money.
1: <laughs> oh, man, yeah. so we're like, we're, uh... we're just gonna start a GoFundMe for Liam so he can eat and not die. Just eat a
3: reasonable diet. <laughs> so Liam, what's your pick? Shit, what game are we on again? Are we still in Utah versus Glendale? Yeah, yes. All right, yeah. I'm going to go uh, Glendale minus eight. Uh, again, I think this game is going to be a lot closer uh, than people are thinking. I think Utah is going to be riding some pretty positive momentum. But at the end of the day, Glendale is just the more complete team uh, with you know a lot more effective players, especially on the outside with Cruz A, Ryberg, uh, and Takato Simpson. So, yeah, going Glendale on this one. I'm going Glendale as well. Uh, I got them going minus 12. I think they'll –
1: They'll remember the game in Utah where they struggled mightily until the last like 20 minutes, and they'll try to make sure it doesn't happen again. And maybe Chad Golf will get another record breaking try for a front rower. You
2: know, uh, I don't think you can you can have a record breaking try when you go a uh, hundred meters in regulation. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, all right. True enough, but maybe they can knock it on into the try zone and he goes like 102 or something.
2: There you go.
1: Um, I guess we'll make this pick and wait for Liam. Uh (laughs) So Sunday, we have San Diego visiting the Toronto Arrows in the first game at Lamport Stadium. Aaron, you want to actually make an attendance prediction real quick? So,
2: San Diego minus 7. I think Toronto is going to play pretty good. Oh, you want attendance? Oh, because we're, we're thumping them over the head with attendance. Uh, what's that, Lamport? Uh, I want to see them get 4,000. I mean, and I'm talking sold tickets, not like some Toronto Wolf Pack. I give out six of my 9,000 tickets to people. to. <laughs> um, so, I'm, you know, I. they had good attendance this last weekend, a little over 2,100. Uh, their first game at New York Lions field thing was standing room only 3,100 or just under 3,100. So they're doing pretty good marketing wise. Uh, and they don't have to fight the Wolfpack this weekend because, I mean, I, I don't think the arrows people will say that they had to fight the Wolf Pack, but they were, the Wolfpack game was originally scheduled on Saturday and it they for some reason moved it to Sunday and it was competing against the arrows fixture, which apparently there are some Wolfpack season ticket holders who are also arrow season ticket holders who chose the Wolfpack over the arrows. Dude. I
3: just, I just love how not exciting mm. league is man. I just love how there's just no excitement in the breakdown. Like, you know what? I'm just trying to calm down after a long day. Just put on some league, man. <laughs>
1: Hey, I relax to Aussie rules, so we're on different ends of the spectrum.
3: Aussie rules is cool. I watch ASMR videos, man. We're all into weird stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Liam, what's your pick? Uh, I am going to go San Diego minus 14 on this one. You know, I I agree with Aaron to an extent. I think Toronto is going to play well, especially with the momentum going into this one. Uh, mm, Unfortunately, I think this is going to be the beginning of their fall out of uh, postseason contention. I the beginning of the season, I was totally on the, you know, on the Toronto train. I thought they were gonna, you know, nearly run the table because that's what a bunch of people uh who were qualified to make predictions were telling me. And it just didn't happen. I just there's just something about like that road schedule that just got them too far behind. And I, you know, just because they're at home, I don't think that's indicative of automatic wins as we saw in their home opener. So uh yeah, San Diego gonna take this one, continue there. Uh, march towards the postseason.
1: I'm taking San Diego minus three Toronto came back and won the, when they were in San Diego. And I think San Diego has that ingrained in their mind. However, I don't, I think the travel and maybe some of the security precautions will catch up to them. So I'm still taking San Diego to win. Just not that by that much. So San Diego minus three, then moving on to the CBS sports game of the week. Liam, it's your, it's your team again. Mm-hmm. Got Houston facing the Roosters in New York, 5 o'clock Eastern at MCU Park. Oh, wow. sucks. Aaron. sucks to be them. Uh, honestly,
2: I mean, I'm picking New York minus 10, uh, but given the way that New York played against the Raptors, trap game.
3: you gone for the head. <laughs> so I, all right <laughs>
1: so i originally had rooney minus 27 and then aaron brought to life the remembrance of no rosters yet so i'm just gonna go rooney
3: minus 12 it's my final answer hey by the way every time somebody says the root like the new york roosters or rooney roosters it's the new york cox that's <laughs> like, that's it. Like, like, what, what do you think you're fucking implying dude? Like, <laughs> it's like we're, we're the rooster boosters cock boosters yes
2: go Gamecocks let's go. Just, just call it the Gamecocks and then have a, have a have a Gamecock fight in the basement under the stadium let's do it get all your ones out and your dice you know
1: Got to get that mahjong too,
2: and then uh, take the dead ones to the soup kitchen. You know, everyone can.
1: It's a win-win situation. All right, now it's time for <laughs> everyone's favorite segment: questions from Bab. <laughs> All right, we so we always get this name wrong, and we always butcher it. And I apologize. It's it's, it's so it's it's just Marius. Okay, it,
2: just he, Marius. It's just Marius. Mary Sirium? because Mary hes like, look
1: at it—it's—it's it's Marius. I mean, that's what I figured. It's just like it's kind of I, tough to tell. It's the internet. I,
3: I feel like if you if you pronounce it correctly, you might open up like some sort of unnatural portal. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: we have two questions from Marius: Who's the scariest team from the bottom three to face the rest of the season? Um, Utah. Uh, yeah gotta be
3: um i'm i'm honestly not just blowing smoke with this answer i'm gonna say it's houston uh we we have one of the best forward packs in the in the entire league uh and we we we've already shown that there's there's going to be instances in terms like we we came back from 21 down against toronto we we had a 30 something freaking lead um you know against glendale unfortunately we had this tendency to fall off um you know in, in the second half but i think if, if you know, if, if the game's going to come where we are able to string together a consistent eighty minutes, you could literally see a blowout in favor of the SaberCats. If if we're firing on all cylinders, your scrum's not going to win, and we're going to make your lineout look silly. Like, but unfortunately, it's it's the details, it's the mistakes on the small details that absolutely kill us.
1: And his second question is, who will hand San Diego their next loss?
3: Uh, so,
2: New Orleans. That's got to be it because they play them twice in like three games. So New Orleans can score points and no one else seems to be able to score points right now in San Diego. So that's, that's my best shot. Uh, I mean, I'll be, they are a little walking wounded, but there were, they were walking wounded and put 40 points. Well, if Joe Peterson doesn't leave with an injury, it's like 60 to seven let's be real like there was i mean that that was the real change in this
3: game um if they don't go undefeated i'm gonna go i'm going to agree with uh aaron on this one i'm gonna say nola obviously like 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 i said before nola's defense can can be uh pretty suspect at times uh but you know i i think overall like, like aaron said like they score points and even though san diego is pretty well balanced and both the top-ranked team in the league, uh, both, uh, both the top-ranked defense in the league, you know, obviously, you know, points, points are what talks, baby. All
1: right, moving on to Robert Gibbs1. Do you think this weekend's big win is too little too late for the Arrows to sneak into a playoff spot? So not
2: only do they need to win out with bonus points, they need some help. But if New
3: York isn't healthy, they will fall out of the top four. Um, I, I I don't see New York falling out of the top four. I pretty much just see Toronto kind of, kind of, kind of pulling the air out of their boat.
1: So let me add something to this real quick. I know some people thought there was a chance that one of the expansion teams, if not both could make the playoffs. Is there a chance we miss it if both teams miss?
3: Um, he misses.
2: Honestly, I so, think they're one of the most complete games. I I think if New York gets healthy, they'll be fine. If they are not healthy,
1: I guess we're moving on. Jiggy Rump wants to know how does the associate player draft work? Okay,
2: try and make sure got everything put together. So the. As far as I can tell, the intent of the associate player draft is to, for teams, as the salary cap increases, to expand their full-time training groups. Because there's three uh, types of players. There are associate players, there's uh, player coaches slash staff players, and there's elite players. Elite players are your full-time players, and, uh, you know... So, in theory, every single like ninety percent of the roster in Austin is considered elite players because they went to a full time roster. So, um, so the idea is to progressively pick more guys full time. Um, The in the in the draft itself, if the player is released, all all associate players are released. Okay, period. And they are reallocated, so the draft isn't. I just pick, and I get that person. The there's some type of round system that wasn't really that isn't really explained to me. But the team that the player leaves from um, does not have the rights, so it's controlled free agency. So if you have the first right to all of your players by giving them an elite contract. If you don't give them an elite contract, they are then uh, available for any team in the league to negotiate an elite or associate player contract. If no other team agrees uh, to that player, you then have the rights returned to you. But if you don't um, agree to contract terms, that player is free to go wherever he wants to go and play for whoever he wants at that point. Um, So... If you don't get into, um, if you don't like, so there were non-associate players that entered into the draft last year, uh, and they were picked up. Uh, you probably for most of you, you probably know who they are. Uh, Hamish Ice went up to, uh went up to Glendale. So if, if teams cannot agree to contract terms with their elite players, they are then also released and able to go into this controlled free agency draft system.
1: I guess the closest example I can think of almost like a fantasy football waiver wire.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably the most similar you can get it to. So if there are players that had multiple teams courting them last year, um, the the easiest one to look at is Ken Dolan um, was playing all club rugby in the fall with old blue and is with New Orleans. So uh, one of the teams had rights to him and, or, or he was an elite player last year, which I know. Yeah. He was an elite player. So he was, he couldn't come into contract terms with, uh, with San Diego. So he was, the only real players that are straight free agents are people on elite player contracts, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, that's, 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 that's without going into any more detail. That's sort of how it works. Um, and it's supposed to be in effect this season as well. Um, until the intent eventually is to move towards a new player draft from college players and uh, somehow a controlled international draft, I think. I don't know about the international draft, but every a lot of people I've talked to, they want to hold a new player draft from college guys and probably structure it so that you can feed in high school kids too. So there could be a rule that is similar to the NFL where you have to be three years out of high school. Or no, not similar to the NFL, but more similar to baseball to where you have to be – you can be drafted out of high school. Uh, if you go to college, um, then you have to be play three years of college baseball or college rugby, et cetera. I, I don't know when that would be effective. Like those discussions, at least to my knowledge, haven't. Been, I, I'm not made privy to. But uh, there is some intent to move towards traditional American sports when it comes to a draft because at some point you need to deal with player allocation. Um, uh, Obviously it's going to be, I think there's going to be some similarities with the MLS draft because there are going to be academies over time. So if a, an Academy player decides to go to college, there's probably going to be some controlled right structure um, to where the team, where the player can by choice, like the MLS draft go back to the team that he came out of the Academy from, or he can enter by choice the MLR draft.
3: Yeah, uh, I've already, I've already stated my opinions on how a draft could work, and I, honestly, I'm just tired of the bickering on Reddit from guys who are just so, who, who just have the current system so ingrained in their heads that they're not willing to accept any other.
2: Yeah, I, I, I don't understand why the, why there is this
3: public. Aversion to a draft.
2: Aversion, outrage to a draft because every single sport in America has a draft. It is how you control entry, but player slots are, once you get established as a league, you're going to need to control entry in the league for players because you don't want one squad and this is where you end up with like score minimum and maximum squad level size. Right. We, I think we figured out it needs to be more than 30. I'm yep. just saying so. Yeah.
1: All right. So one more question. And then we got two lightning round questions. All right. And Then we'll, we'll wrap it up. So now that the, <laughs> now that the RFU championship has concluded, are there any players that might join MLR teams that might be willing to take a few quick contract?
2: Um, the only ones that make sense right now are Nick Chavetta and Dino Waldron. They're both American, so they're likely candidates to come over. Some teams meet. There's at least one team that needs a prop, and there's a bunch of teams that need a lock. Uh, maybe Shane O'Leary, uh, the Canadian international who plays for Nottingham. Um, but if it's a US team, they would have had to been working on his visa like in January. Uh, so I really don't see non-US guys parachuting in unless like their deals are for next year.
1: Um
3: yeah. Yeah. Lee, you got anybody? Uh I'm not I'm not as I'm not as uh educated on the RFU championship to make a I guess a an educated uh opinion.
1: All right. Now it's time for the lightning round. From Nick Zaravia on YouTube, ESPN plus and CBS are pretty solid broadcasters slash streamers. What else can MLR do to make the games more accessible? Watch oh MLR? I mean
3: yeah. how are they so not accessible?
1: What, what more can be done to get more access, I guess. Like, I mean, maybe I, like I, international put,
3: put them, put them on platforms that are not a secondary payment. Like, you know, I'm already, I'm already paying for Hulu and Netflix and, and all that and all that bull. Like, you know, I remember there used to be an e, a watch ESPN app that was free for like, you know, certain programs, like put it on something like that. I think, you know, it's it, it it's the whole flow aspect, even though flow's prices are absolutely ridiculous. But it's there's are so many games on ESPN Plus, and ESPN Plus, even though it's mad cheap, is still an extra payment that you need to make. And sometimes it's not about the amount that you need to pay. It's just nobody wants to actually take out their credit card and type in the frickin' numbers.
2: I think the first thing is, is uh, this is an opinion, is uh, no one gets to have streaming controlled at the local level so that means we go back to what we had last year which was all national broadcasts minus the cbs broadcasts are on espn plus because i can tell you that people hate the idea of going onto facebook to watch games we get lots of complaints on the show and on reddit and on you see it on twitter on facebook like People do not like watching games on Facebook. Uh, If you were going to broadcast something live, it would need to be on YouTube, to be honest, um, rather than Facebook. Because every single TV that you can buy today uh, has a YouTube app, and you just click on it, and it, it does what it does. Uh, but
3: I and, think and one, that, one thing though, if you look at like, you know, the indoor football league, the, uh, the national arena league, the, uh, you know, the AF, the, the arena football league, all the other variations of arena football, as well as, um, MLL and stuff like that. They all have YouTube channels. They all have YouTube channels where they broadcast games. I don't, so
2: as far as like accessibility overall, well, all the games, the replays are up on YouTube by the end of the week.
3: Yeah, but that's the thing. The replays. That's
2: I mean, but I'm just saying. Like they, the games are as accessible as they can be. They are put up on YouTube. uh, Replays you want live. First step is to get back to the single platform for national broadcasts, which is everything that's not a CBS linear game is on ESPN Plus. And once we've done that, then let's talk about opening more matches on to like watch ESPN. So those things unlocked because guess what? There was a comma What was that pro four? There was a pro 14 game on ESPN news this week. So oh, yeah, it was if, uh, if if,
1: dragons and scarlet.
2: If, if they're broadcasting that on ESPN news, it was supposed to be on ESPN too, but thank you. F1. It eventually moved back. Oh, it did. Yeah. Um. So, then at some point they will put MLR on a main channel so that that is something to think about. And it, if you reduce the amount of platforms, cause I uh, think Glendale home
3: games are on nine com. Like, like, yeah. Oh, and good luck. Like finding the actual live link easily. That's like, that's me. That thing. And painful. they're
2: geo
1: blocked in the UK. Oh yeah, so
2: there you go. Lots of lots of complaints um, from this year. I think the I'm,
3: the first step shout is out to nine, I want to do shout out to Nine News for carrying the game though. I mean, because because it sounds like you weren't the first choice. So you know, well, good, yeah, for good for you for coming I mean, through.
2: Hey, hey, good for you for putting it on. Um, I'm happy that I had free access to rugby. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I they are. And this is this is not a what. This is not a the shield discussion, because we're not really. I, I don't think we're there at this moment, moment, where you know everyone is going to. Yes, Mister Goodell, we will. We pay you lots of money to make us lots of money. We will do exactly what you say. Yes, Mister Goodell. I, I don't think we're. I don't think we're there yet. I think we're.
3: It's know, more like, hey, Dean, gonna you gonna make money? Good. All right,
1: so we really need to make this on a lightning round question.
3: All right, from you Dylan asked Fer- me an open freaking question.
1: I did say lightning round.
3: I think uh, I gave a lightning answer. All
1: right, from Dylan Ferrasi, any Dallas updates? No, no. Okay.
3: <laughs> 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 but dude, like even in like the slight delay that is like that is technology. That was just. <laughs>
1: all right. Any final thoughts? Um, Quickly. See you next week. It's going to be in London. See you next week. Yeah. All right. On our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of major league rugby teams in the league. And Craster is employed by MLR. Liam Poach is employed by the West Houston Lions and Houston Sabercats. Please join us next week on YouTube where we are live every Monday and we will be found on your favorite uh, podcast platform each Wednesday morning. If you like what we do, please subscribe to our YouTube and iTunes feeds and, and review us. We will read your five-star reviews out on air. It helps other folks find us. And be sure to share your own news, views, and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit, where we can be found at www.reddit.com slash r mlrugby. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.